you are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back, family, to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Marcus Benjamin here with my guy, Frank Tucker, representing the crib, South Florida. Together, we represent Canes County. Dot com part of the rivals.com network make sure you subscribe to the website for free use the promo code miami 30 also subscribe to this youtube channel like share and subscribe here at live from canes county plenty of news this week it seemed like it was going to be like a quiet week when it started but a lot of big news came out this week you got Jamila Dye, who decides to take a job with the Buffalo Bills, leaving Miami. Alonzo Highsmith, the GM of Miami, also leaving for the NFL to the Patriots. And we may have a new running backs coach in Matt Merritt as well. Yesterday was National Signing Day. I think a lot of people don't even realize it, it even happened yesterday with the new early signing period uh, in this new day of college football. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about the 2024 class, how Miami closed out, and predictions for the 2025 class. But big news, man. Jamila Dye decides to go to the NFL. It was a surprise for me because this, this is a guy that was actively recruiting in the past couple of weeks. He was, of course, in Coral Gables, uh, you know, greeting and talking to a lot of different kids for their elite prospect day. But the NFL came calling, Frank. So... What was your reaction when you heard the news? I wasn't surprised. I would, you know, this is something that we've kind of heard rumblings about for a little over a year now. Since last offseason, you know, there was the issue of was he going to get a contract extension or not this offseason? Has thing have things been solid on the cornerback front from a development standpoint with Coach Adai? Absolutely. I think he's one of the better coaches at the position. On, from an on-field perspective. Now, if you look at how things were in recruiting-wise, he didn't do a great job, right? He, since Ryan Mack, there wasn't a single cornerback that committed to the University of Miami. And that was for the majority of the second half of 2023, where you didn't have a single cornerback lock into the University of Miami. And, and really? I think Ryan Mack ended up, I think Ryan Mack ended up being a steal for Miami, right? He's more of a three-star prospect and, and, and a legacy guy that I think wanted to go to Miami regardless of who the cornerback's coach is. But sure. if, if you look at how the position was recruited, it was kind of a failure in that regard, right? You missed out on Ellis Robinson. You missed out on Xavier Lucas. And that was two of the bigger targets at the position that they were focused on throughout the process. Anybody else that they really try to go after that was a four-star prospect or higher really ended up not really thinking about Miami to that magnitude. So I think he kind of put all his eggs in that Ellis Robinson basket, and it didn't really work out in this past cycle. The cycle before that in 2023, uh, you know, they grabbed Damari Brown, but was Damari Brown a Jamila Dye addition? I don't know if he was, right? So overall, I, I don't necessarily know how great of a job he did as a recruiter. I know how great of a job he did as an on-field guy, but I think Miami was potentially looking for more at that cornerback position. And I think that, you know, he was looking for opportunities outside of the University of Miami for the better half of a year. 
So for me, I think this was more of like a mutual separation that, you know, was bound to happen at some point. He has bounced around a lot in college football, whether it was at West Virginia, whether it was at Georgia, whether it was at Miami in the last just few stops. Um, But overall, I think that there was probably – it was probably time for a change. It was a good year for him to kind of jump off of because of the development of Daryl Porter and Jaden Davis at the outside corner spots. Obviously, you got two safeties going in the draft. I don't necessarily know how much credit he gets for that just because Lance Gidry took the reins at the safety position in this last season. Overall, it was probably good for him to end up trying to make that move now, especially with the contract situation circling over his head. And I think that Miami's going to find a guy that fits what they're wanting from a recruiting standpoint and an on-field development standpoint. Yeah, I got to agree with you as far as the recruiting is concerned. There weren't any big home runs when it comes to the cornerback position or even uh, or even his involvement as far as safety is concerned. I mean, yeah, you do get a Zaquan Patterson, but that's a guy that you probably already thought was probably going to commit to Miami, regardless if Jamil Adai was there or not. But I think what you lose is a guy who develops guys. He does. I I believe he gets some credit for developing a Daryl Porter Jr. who's really kind of elevated his game in the last two years. He's going to ha- get some credit to for, uh, to develop uh, Tyreek Stevenson, who's now balling out in the NFL, as well as developing a DJ Ivy in that last year, which was la- uh, obviously his best year as a Miami Hurricane, enabling him to be drafted as well. So I think he wanted to be more just on the football side of things. You know, you can kind of see it with what he did at the University of Miami because we just kind of said that he wasn't the best recruiter. Um, he did, I think, a, a, a well enough job, but I think the way these other positions have been recruited here at Miami, it, it just seems like he is, you know, one of those guys that weren't as good as a Kevin Beard or or as, as a Jason Taylor or an Alex Mirabal or something like that. It's like, uh, he didn't really elevate the level of recruiting, I think, um, to the level in which he could. And I think he kind of maybe saw that and was like, OK, well, let me just go to the NFL where I could just develop guys, you know, where I can just, you know, be a guy to just coach guys and I won't have to worry about recruiting. So what I do worry about, though, is the future of, of recruiting with the uh, defensive backs position, because he was the main guy in recruiting DJ Pickett, you know, and Miami, uh, you know, definitely wants the five-star to be added to the 2025 roster. And I I feel like he is going to be, you know, uh, a guy that will be missed in that regard. Of course, Miami is also recruiting Chris Ewald at the defensive back position. So Frank, how does his departure really affect recruiting? Oh, I think it's going to affect it on the short-term front with Onis Conan-Banny, right? Like Onis Conan-Banny had built a strong relationship with Jamila Dye. You know, yeah. the you know the foreign relationship that they have because of their, you know, family adjustment to, you know, the American life, uh, you know, was something that he talked about when, when we, uh, you know, had a discussion with him. 
I think that the relationship was starting to really build. And I think that he was nearing a commitment to the University of Miami. I, you know, I did put him in a future cast uh, for him to end up at, you know, at Miami. And I think that, you know, I still feel confident about it. I think that the visit overall with the staff, you know, was solid, not just with Adai, but I think that he was a major part of that recruitment. Um, I, I think that there were things, I think things were in the moving in a positive direction with Ewald as well. Uh, you know, I think that he was putting his best foot forward in communication, especially since his decommitment. Uh, you know, everything that I heard was that, you know, that relationship was building not with just not just with Chris Ewald Jr., but with the family overall. You know, there were there were, you know, multiple visits uh, to campus for Ewald uh, since his decommitment. And on, honestly, it was something where he started to become, uh, you know, the coach that they were hoping for from a relationship standpoint. Um so I, I think it's going to hurt in the short term just because there's going to be some unknown, I guess you could say, at that cornerback position until they hire somebody. And, and I think that that cornerback position is one of those hot spots uh, from position coach standpoints that it's supposed to be a recruiter type position, right? Like you, you hear like the the common names like Corey Raymond, like an elite recruiter, Pat Sertan is a hot name in recruiting, right? Like Steve Klinkscale, who was at Michigan, was a guy who was big in recruiting. Like just those are just a few names, like T-Rob, another guy who coaches cornerbacks like that. Those guys are, are, are known as recruiters of the position, not just as developers. So I think for the short term, like teams, top teams around the country that have really good defensive backs coach are going to kind of take advantage of Miami maybe in the next, you know, few weeks saying, oh, hey, you don't know what's going on there, right? Like you're walking into a little bit of an unso- unknown situation with DB coach-wise. But overall, I think that Mario Cristobal is going to do the right thing and hire the right guy at the position. Um, and I'm sure we're going to go over the options in a little bit. But, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, think yeah, that, just, I think. I was going to say, let's just go over those options that 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 are that are out there, man. Um, you got Shavis Jackson that that's out there. Uh, you mentioned Pat Sertan, who could return home. I think that would be a perfect hit, fit reuniting with his old teammate, uh, uh, Jason Taylor, uh, and just kind of returning to his old stomping grounds, being that he was the head coach of Powerhouse American Heritage, a couple of guys there that Miami is interested in. Uh, Brandon Harris, of course, they can the long route if he, he's out there. And uh, there's some other guys, um, you know, uh, that could be possibility as well. Who do you think ends up getting this job? Uh, I, I think Chavis Jackson is probably the hot name to talk about right now just because the relationship uh, with defense coordinator Lance Gidry, It's He's a good coach. He's a young guy, 38 years old, has SEC experience. He's a former standout at LSU, coached at the Power Five level at Kansas with Les Miles, uh, you know, was a Nick Saban recruit, right? Won a national title at LSU. Like, I, I think that he's a good up-and-coming coach that would be, a, a you know, a solid hire. A couple other guys that I think are strong candidates uh, and, and would be interesting would be Nick Monroe, uh, you know, I think he's the co-defense coordinator right now at Minnesota. Uh, he's done an excellent job of recruiting South Florida during his time in college football, was a defensive backs coach at Syracuse and was able to snag some guys out of the South Florida area, um, including from places like American Heritage and, and others, right? Like he, you know, was always at St. Thomas Aquinas, right? Was, was a common face at Miami Central. Like he's known in, throughout the South Florida circles. Uh, and then, obviously, he's he's upped himself from a position standpoint now at Minnesota um, and is still in the Power Five ranks. So he's an interesting name to me just because of I think he's a plus recruiter. 
and, and then the other name is Steve Klinkscale from Michigan. There's so yeah. much uncertainty uncertainty at Michigan right now because of the Harbaugh situation, him leaving to go to the, the Chargers, that whole entire defensive staff basically leaving to go to the Chargers. Uh, I, I think that he's a guy that would be a home run hire just from a recruiting standpoint and on-field development standpoint and a transfer portal potential standpoint, right? Because there's going to be a spring window that opens up. And if you bring a Steve Klinkscale in, I think things open up and not just at Michigan, but around the country in regards to guys wanting to come to the university of Miami. And I like what Miami has right now at the defensive back spot at, from a cornerback and safety perspective, but overall, you could add some guys. Like, what if Will Johnson wanted to come to the University of Miami, right? What would you turn that down, right, to add him with the Daryl Porter uh, and have still two young guys underneath those two experienced players? Uh, and then, obviously, I think that would almost lock in Chris Ewald as as a former Michigan commit, uh, you know, that had a strong relationship with Clink Scale as a two year as a guy who was committed for almost two years in the process to that coach. So I, I, you know, and, and then before that, like been at Cincinnati, I think he was at Tennessee before that. Like he's been at a few different places where he's recruited South Florida heavily. Now he's a national champion. He comes in, he's experienced. He's an elite recruiter, one of the best in the country, regardless of position coach title. He's going to be expensive, but Miami, if they want to win a national title, you got to be able to spend with the big boys and, this would be a perfect opportunity for Mario Cristobal uh, and and obviously the boosters to, to come and, and, you know, swing a big stick and, and grab the best guy I think that's available. Scared money don't make no money. We'll see. We'll see Absolutely. how that works. Um, another name I kind of want to throw out there was Corey Parker, a cornerback coach at Toledo. Uh, I think he's done a really great job as of late uh, developing guys like Quinion Mitchell, expected to be a NFL draft pick and also – familiar with South Florida guys like R.J. Delancey and Chris McDonald. Also, uh, Andre Fuller, who also is from Seminole Ridge, which is down here. So I, th I think he could be a possibility as well. Toledo's defense intercepted like 12 passes in 2022, and they were like 10th uh, when it comes to pro football focus. I've got a full story on canescounty.com of five names to know for Miami's vacant defensive back coach job which we of course will continue to monitor in the next couple of days um but um also wanted to talk about alonzo highsmith uh just quickly we could talk about that don't have to go really long on it but he's a guy that kind of came in as the general manager to really kind of up the roster which he helped to do for sure but i always kind of heard um you know from sources that he wasn't very involved in in process and processes in this last year uh he was kind of more so overseeing things and really not doing i guess as much as you know the other staff members i guess were doing as far as recruiting and and you know putting together this roster so i think he wanted another challenge i think this guy is kind of more fit for, his personality is more fit for the nfl definitely happy for him of course he's a he's a an alum of, of the school great guy every time i had a chance to talk to him always kept it real um but you know just your thoughts quickly on alonzo highsmith leaving for the new england patriots it hurts because he's one of the best talent evaluators whether that's college or pro right it 
we know that he's had his hands on a, on a few of the evaluations that ended up at the University of Miami from like a transfer portal perspective, JUCO perspective. Uh, obviously, Colby Young was one of his, you know, home run additions. At, he's at Georgia now, and and they're excited about his potential. Uh, I think that you're 100% right, though. The NFL is, is his calling card. He's going with a guy that he knows from the Green Bay Packers. It's, it's an opportunity for him to, to resurrect the team that's going to have draft capital probably over the next, you know, high draft capital over the next two years. And he's going to be able to, to, you know, especially being in college football as of recent, knowing the landscape of what was, you know, the best talent in college football over the last few seasons. I think he's going to go in and he's going to do an excellent job. I don't think it necessarily hurts Miami. I think that Mario Cristobal likes having guys that he knows around him. I think he likes having guys that have, you know, experience and are proven talent evaluators, have that keen eye. And he was one of them. He was just a trusted asset to have around somebody that, you know, Mario could go to and not just Mario, but you know, the, the athletic director as well. He put out a tweet saying how much, you know, an asset he has been during his time at the University of Miami. And we know around a year ago, they talked about how he was taking a little bit more of a role in the athletic program and not just football. But every time I was around the football program, it was him talking about kids. Like he knew what was going on in the recruiting uh, circles, right? Like he might not have been the guy on the phones per se, but he had his, his finger on all the evaluations that this staff was pushing for. Um, you know, a lot of the, you know, NFL projections uh, that we're starting to see along the trenches. I think that he's been part of that uh, growth on this roster. And and listen, I think there's definitely going to be – it's definitely going to hurt. But I these there's a ton of really good talent evaluators in this roster. Dennis Smith is one of, yeah. the, you know, the best director of recruitings, I guess you could say, I think in college football in general. Mario has his hands in the recruiting more than any head coach in college football maybe. Uh, overall, it, they're still going to be fine in, in regard to recruiting. Totally agree. Happy for Highsmith uh, to get that job and happy for his contribution to the football program, really kind of upping uh, the roster and really kind of setting the standard, I feel, going forward. Another tidbit of news that kind of came out, and I, I don't want to downplay it, but Matt Merritt has been reported to be the new running back's coach uh for miami now this is not a f- official as of yet but you know where there's smoke there's usually fire um matt merritt with kind of i guess an odd name uh it's not it's not a, a name that i would say that most people had on their radar here just your thoughts man on 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 miami going possibly going with matt merritt as the running backs coach former running backs coach at USF. Yeah, I think Miami tried to dip into the, you know, the big pool, right, of, of running back coaches, um, you know, going after some of the hot names. But those a lot those guys are, are pretty entrenched in a lot of the spots that they're at, right? Like a Dewan Sider is going to be hard to pull out of a Penn State. They pay him heavily. I think he has a co-OC title. So it's it's not an easy thing to go grab, you know, a Jawan Sider or somebody of that caliber. So I think that they went and grabbed a young young coach who's one of the best developers of talent from the FCS standpoint. If you go look at what he's done at like places like Elon and James Madison, when they were in the FCS ranks, like he did a really good job at all American caliber backs. Uh, you know, and, and I think that if you look at what he did this past year with Naquan Wright, 
Um, I, I think that he proved that he was able to get the best season out of a kid who was kind of under the radar at Florida for a long period of time. A guy we know from South Florida during his time at Carroll City was a stud, um, was a one-time Miami-type prospect, but I think he's a good coach. I think the running back coach is one of those positions that it's kind of like tight ends, in my, in my opinion, right? Like, the running backs are going to come in, and if they're really talented, they're going to be good regardless of who the running backs coach is. It's going to be a position where it's going to be where a guy has to recruit well. He has to be young. He has to be able to build relationships. And obviously, Matt Merritt proved to the stat that he's capable of doing just that. He was part of a program rebuild this past year at USF where the, you know Alex Golish, I think, is one of the best young coaches in college football, was able to get a you know a kind of a hot start at USF and, and Merritt was part of that process. So I think it's a solid hire. It's not great. It's not gonna, you know, make any huge headlines, but he's gonna probably be solid overall. I don't think that I think it's probably gonna be a balance of what they've had in the last two coaches. I think Tim Harris was a home run hire. Uh, and I think that Kevin Smith was probably the biggest failure hire uh, of Mario Cristobal's tenure so far. So I think it's probably going to be a balance of those two. Um, and I don't think that there's going to be anything like super positive or super negative to come out of out of what's happening here. I think the key for that hire is that he is or was an associate head coach and also the run game coordinator. I actually had the privilege to go to the uh, Boca Bowl uh, and – Bruh, the longest game of my life, bruh, the longest game of my life because USF runs a ton of plays. They run fast, fast, fast offense. So if he has anything to do with that, as far as, you know, the, the, the tempo of the offense, then I think, you know, it can only work into Miami's favor. Um, you know, I think at times Miami could have benefited from running a tempo type of offense. I think a lot of the times, uh, I think they huddled maybe a little bit too much and couldn't catch the defense off guard a lot of times last season. So if he adds that element to the game, then yeah, I think it's a, it's a good hire. So uh, we'll, we'll see, of course, if that indeed does come to fruition. We'll keep an eye on that as well. This week, Frank, we had National Signing Day. Miami finishes with the fifth rank. Uh, class, a top five class, like we predicted months ago <laughs> would happen, that Miami would have a top five class. Last last year, we had three freshmen that stood out on the field. You had a Francis Malanoa, you had a Ruben Bain, you had a Mark Fletcher. And you were right on Mark Fletcher. I do want to say that. I remember you were saying that he would end up being the starter by the end of the year. He indeed did end up being the starter. Unfortunately, he's going to be out for, for spring, of course. But when it comes to this season, when you look at this class, which three players do you think will will be those type of impact players for Miami? Yeah, Zaquan Patterson is the first one. And we spoke about him on the last show as a guy who I felt like was going to be an immediate impact guy in that freshman class. Jordan Lyle, I think he's going to be a guy that with how the running back position is, where there's so many injuries and the potential for a freshman to come in and make an impact early on, uh, i.e. Mark Fletcher, what he did last year, I think that he's going to be a guy, even if he's not a starter, he's going to be an impact player at the University of Miami. I think that he's probably 
the most balanced back on the roster, almost already from a talent perspective. He is a really good receiver out of the backfield. We saw him utilize in the screen game in a major way at St. Thomas Aquinas. He had huge plays almost on a consistent basis. He has a low tread on the tires, never had over more than like 120 carries in a season at any point. There's a reason that he's a top five back ranked nationally by us here at Rivals. He's an elite player that they flipped from Ohio State. I, I think that he's going to come in and he's going to make it, it, an immediate impact, whether it's that's getting five touches or that's getting 12 touches in a game. He's just he's going to be a guy that when he spells Mark Fletcher, right, he could be a guy that becomes the second best running back on the roster or a 1B to Mark Fletcher. I know A.J. Allen is really talented. I know that Henry Parrish is still there. I, I know that Chris Johnson is an explosive player. Um, and, and Trevante Citizen at one point was considered a potential program-changing back uh, when he was added in 2022. But Jordan Lyle is special. We, we, we've seen that over the last two years at St. Thomas, and him just kind of take over that offense, um, which has produced some of the best running backs we've ever seen come out of South Florida. And I think he's part of that mold. Uh, another guy that I think is going to be uh, an immediate impact player is Justin Scott. Uh, I I think that there's a need at defensive tackle right now. Uh, yeah. You lose Leonard Taylor, right? You And I'm, I know Leonard Taylor didn't live up to the billing of being necessarily always the best defensive tackle uh, in the ACC on a consistent basis, but he was definitely a high-caliber player that is now going to potentially be a first-round draft pick. And there's a reason for that. He was really good at the University of Miami when he was on the field. And I think that Justin Scott has the potential to be just what Leonard Taylor was as a true freshman. He's extremely talented. We've seen him be a absolute freak at the high school level, running the ball at times as a running back, which is almost unheard of when you're 310 pounds and six foot five. So yeah. uh, he he's a freak athlete that I think is going to begin as a rotational guy early on. But like I said about Mark Fletcher last year, I think he ends the year as a starter. Yeah. You know, I love Ahmad Moten. I think that he's going to be a guy that's probably going to get the early reps. Uh, you know, I, I love what they got out of the transfer portal, right? And and, and Marley Cook and and uh, you know the 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 kid out of NC State, but CJ Clark, CJ Clark, right? And but I think that I think that you're probably looking at a combination of CJ Clark and Justin Scott as the starters by the end of 2024, because Justin Scott is just such a talented player. There's a reason that Miami continued to fight for him. All the way through that process, he is a he might be the most talented player that they added in this class, and that's saying a lot because you added three five stars in this 2024 class. Uh, that, that's a top five class in the country. Justin Scott was a guy that hurt Ohio State when he decommitted, and he's special, he has first round draft pick potential. Uh, and, and the fact that we're talking about him in this light is crazy because. Josh Horton was the guy that we were talking about as a guy who could be a first-round draft pick just last cycle. And, I, and I'm already yeah. thinking that he could surpass him on the depth chart by midseason. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see. But I think those are my three guys just because of how talented that they are that are going to make huge impacts early on in their hurricane careers. Yeah, this defensive line is just absolutely loaded, man. And it's hard for me not to pick – a defensive lineman uh, that is going to make an immediate impact. And I'm just going to go with the two guys that really shined in the all-star games. And that's Marquise Lightfoot who earned his five fifth star 
with rivals and also Booker Pickett. Like, I feel like these guys will be in the rotation as far as, you know, um, being pass rushers or, you know, be, even in first or second down roles because you have a Ruben Bay and then you have a Jaden Wayne and you have Nigel Lee Kelly. But Jabari Harvey has now left the program, got a couple other guys who decided to leave. It's going to create competition. And I think those guys are going to be hungry to get on the field. And I, I could see, uh, uh, just like last year with Ruben Bain, I could see a Booker Pickett who who really, I think people really started to understand on a national scale how great he was in the past month. And I think the same goes for Marquise Lightfoot, who was dealing with an injury in his senior season. So I, I think those two guys could definitely make an, an immediate impact. I think those two guys do end up being rotational pieces on this defensive line. The last guy I will say is Jojo Trader, man. I'm hearing a lot of great things already about this guy. And obviously, you know, this is a guy that has been outstanding in high school for years. Um, even before high school, he's, he's been an outstanding player. Uh, but Rashard Smith is no longer with the program. So it really kind of leaves a void for that fourth wide receiver if we are assuming that Isaiah Horton is going to be that wide receiver one. So there's going to be a battle for that fourth wide receiver spot, whether it be Ray Ray, Robbie Washington, JoJo, or Nykar. And I wouldn't be surprised if JoJo starts to work his way into the rotation uh, and, you know, starts to make make noise because this is a guy who has got tremendous ability, could play both ways if he wanted to. That's how much of an athlete he is. So I wouldn't be surprised if JoJo is the guy that we're talking about by the end of the year. Let's move on to the 2025 class quickly here. Miami's already got a jump start on, on that class with Wade and Charles who we all think is is one of the best receivers down here in South Florida. Luke Nickel, definitely the MVP at Battle Miami, has been better than advertised, I would say. And then uh, now we have also, let me talk about Elijah Melendez, who I heard from Coach Guidry himself that he was really high on this kid, calls him Baby Ray, as in Ray Lewis. <laughs> so that's how highly he thinks about Elijah Melendez, who is an absolute beast. And now Lamar Williams, who was added to the class. I had a chance to talk to him as well on campus. And he, you know, loved Miami, obviously decided to commit. And now where, where does this class go from here? Miami ends up with the fifth class. Uh, here in 2024, if I would put an over-under on it, and you could say, you know, whatever you want on the players that we have already committed to the 2025 class, but over-under for the 2025 class, Miami over five, as in do they get over a top uh, ranked, uh, a fifth-ranked class or under a fifth-ranked class for 2025? Oh, I think Miami is going to be a perennial top five class team for the entirety of Mario Cristobal's tenure at the University of Miami. I think that he's probably the best, like I said, head coaching recruiter in college football. Just 
his personal approach to how he does it. Uh, so I think, yeah, there'll be a top five class because I think Luke Nickel is going to make a huge jump up throughout the process. He was a state champion in Georgia, player of the year in Georgia, showed what, you know, on a national scale. I battled Miami against top competition, helped win that tournament for Cam Newton's seven on 17. Uh, he's looked like he was more of a, from a size standpoint, the prototype at the position. And, and he's really, really good. I think he ends up as a top 10 quarterback. Uh, from from the pro style position, uh, I, we know that they're probably going to add one or two elite backs. That's just what Mario Cristobal does. They just got a head start at the offensive line position by adding Lamar Williams. This was a four star offensive tackle. Elijah Melendez already a top two linebacker in the country. Uh, uh, could be a five star type player. Do you know that he benched two twenty five thirty one times? That is a ridiculous number for a high school junior. A high there's school some, junior. There's some NFL players that can't do that. Yes, there's there's <laughs> NFL offensive linemen who can't do that, right? Like, it's like, that is massive numbers for a high school junior. He is an absolute freak of nature. And I think that he's all in all a cane. I know that he's posted some offers and people have kind of got scared a little bit. I think he posted like an Oregon offer or something like that. And there's starting to be some rumblings, but I'm not worried at all about Elijah Melendez. We, we got a chance to talk to him even before he committed and he was all about Miami and, and he has seemingly stayed that way through and through. I, I think that they end up with a top five class. I think that they're going to do a really good job. I think they're going to hit it out of the park at the defensive back position. Guys like CJ Ewald, guys like Onis Conan Banny, guys like Bryce Fitzgerald, Guys like DJ Pickett, uh, Jonte Gilbert, like those are all guys that could potentially end up in this class uh, at defensive back, and that's huge, right? Like we've seen them kind of take single positions and focus on that from a major prospect standpoint, like the offensive line in 2023, uh, you know, last this past one in the defensive line position. Uh, you know, I think they did that with the receiver position this, this last class as well. Now they're going to do that with the defensive back spot. And I do think that they're going to do that at linebacker as well. If they're able to just round out this team at every single position group with major four and five star prospects, you're going to start to compete for major, major, uh, you know, college football, you know, standings, right? Like this is where, this is how Georgia got to where they are. This is how Alabama got to where they are. This is how Ohio state got back into being a national power. This is how Michigan ended up, you know, at the end with Jim Harbaugh doing what they did. They were grabbing the best players at positions, stacking talent, grabbing depth. And I think that they're going to do a really good job at the linebacker spot and the defensive back spot. Um, now, just kind of touching on Lamar Williams. This guy is six foot seven, 280 pounds, former defensive lineman. Uh, you know, he was super high on Miami when he got offered. Alex Maribel took a personal approach. Uh, you know, when that when that went down, uh, you grabbed this kid out of Florida State territory in the panhandle. This is a kid that yeah. visited Florida State that they did have, you know, their hands on. They were recruiting him. And Miami won this battle. He is going to be a big-time prospect, in my opinion, as more eyes start to get on him. We already have him as a four-star here at Rivals. I think that he could be an elite-level player. Right, I think that they kind of took some guys that they were high on from an evaluation standpoint in the 2024 class. Not so much four-star caliber guys. Derek Plaz probably being, you know, the most talented 
guy from a recruiting standpoint. This is a guy that I think is going to move up the rankings. Um, very similar to a Luke Nickel, just because you can't teach six foot seven, two hundred eighty pound athletes at the offensive tackle position, and he is that, and a really good kid as well. Every time you talk to him, like soft spoken kid, uh, yeah, you know, I, really I, I love the addition. I love the addition, um, and, and late riser in the recruiting in the recruiting world, it like was basically was a basic unknown up until like right before the season this year. Um, as more and more people got eyes on him in the summer, those offers started coming out. I think that he's going to be a 20-plus offer guy um, by the end of his senior year. And Miami's going to have some competition uh, to keep him in the class. So something to yeah. watch there. I, I do like where Miami's at with him. I think that he's rock solid to the University of Miami, very similar to Elijah Melendez. Uh, but there's going to be competition on that front to grab him um, on national signing day, early signing day next year and or this year in uh, December because he's extremely talented. He's a legit six seven two eighty, the real deal. Yeah, definitely love love what I see from him on tape. Uh, you can of course uh, see our guy Steve-O break down the film of Lamar Williams on KanesCounty.com. And we Miami snatched a, another player, like you said, from Florida State territory, just like they did last cycle with Artavius Jones committing uh, to. Miami. Um, Miami does well when it comes to f- grabbing kids from Florida. 14 kids, prospects, ends up uh, in the class for 2024. What do you think that number is? And nine of them for South Florida. What do you think that do you think that number stays like that for the 2025 class? Does it is it over or under those numbers? I think it's probably going to be around the same. I think that majority of the receiving class is going to be from, from you know, the state of Florida just because there's so much talent at the position in 2025. Uh, defensive back-wise, right, like if you consider a DJ Pickett, if you consider a CJ Wall, that's two guys that, you know, from the state of Florida. Running back-wise are probably going to get one from the state of Florida. Uh, I, you know, I think offensive line-wise, you got Lamar, Lamar Williams. You could probably grab one more throughout the state. I know that they're going after some guys, you know, in the state of Florida, you know, that are big time offensive linemen, right? There's a guy out of Sumner. Um, I think there's a guy out of Seminole that they're going to go after as well. Um, Yeah. So overall, like, I think that they're going to hover around that 15 number um, for Florida prospects, just because there's just so much talent in 2025 in the state of Florida as there usually is, but, I think Miami's still going to add 25 to 30 guys in the recruiting rankings. There's going to be some, there's going to be some attrition just over the course of Mario Cristobal's tenure, just because he is a tough coach. Uh, they're not going to wait around for guys to figure out what they are. I think that they're going to be tough in, in building this roster through and through. They're not going to wait on guys. You saw that with the 2022 prospects. Like there are some guys that we thought could be studs and they kind of just pushed them out of the, you know, out of the building a little bit, right? Like, Cyrus Moss was the guy that we thought was going to be a big time player and ended up being someone that had to go a different direction because he just didn't come to fruition. So overall, I think that Miami is going to be around that 25 plus number in the 2025 cycle once again. And probably a good portion of that is going to come from homegrown prospect. Last question here, just to compare the recruiting to the rivals. Uh, Miami ends up, like we said, with a top five class. FSU ends up 12th and Florida ends up 15th. 
what jumps out to me is the fact that Florida State nearly made the playoff, bro. They nearly made the playoff. I mean, albeit they, they had a lot of contributions from, from transfers, but so did Miami. And for the future, though, does Miami continue to beat out Florida and Florida State in the in the Marcus era? Is this like done? Because it certainly feels that way right now, especially coming off a seven six season. Off, oh, especially with Florida, absolutely. I think that this is the end of the road uh, for that staff at Florida this year. They're probably going to go four and eight, five and seven, and that might be it for Billy Napier. So I I don't foresee Florida making a huge jump like they did in the recruiting rankings early on last year, right? Like DJ Lagway kind of saved that 24 class from not absolutely cratering. Yeah. Uh, but uh, overall, I think that it's going to be always a lot of, a lot of battles between Florida state and Miami. Jamie French is a perfect example of, of what that still is like Florida state. I, I think that they could be scary because Tramel Jones, I think is very good as well. Uh, and, and he could make a rise up in the recruiting rankings, same as Luke Nickel did. And if he does, we know that if you have a top quarterback, it helps in, in building out your class, right? Like if you look at the other teams in the top five ranked nationally, they Miami's really kind of an anomaly from the perspective where they didn't have a big-time quarterback prospect in this 2024 cycle. And they were still a top five team just because they added so much, so many guys, like over 30 additions in the class three five stars, a number of four stars, like that helped them get into the top five. And I don't necessarily think they're going to add those numbers again. So Florida State and Miami are going to be on the same path, in my opinion, in 2025. They're going to get some huge hits. Um, they're going to take some guys out of, out of each other's territory. And I think that, you know, they're both probably going to be around like that seven plus area. Florida State's going to do better in 2025 than they did in 2024. Uh, and as I think they, they start to move away from relying on transfer portal guys and starting to capitalize on the success that Mike Norvell's starting to have in Tallahassee. I know Kane's fans probably aren't going to love to hear that, but he is going he is a really good coach. Uh, and I think that he's going to do a better job in recruiting moving forward. He's gotten better. I know that 12 it probably isn't great from the perspective of almost making the playoff, but they missed on some huge guys. And if they were to get like a KJ Bolden, if they were to have ended up getting a Zaquan Patterson, right? Like we're maybe talking about them where Miami is and Miami kind of being where Florida state is. So things could be flipped real quick. And I think that it's going to be close between Miami and Florida state, probably in 2025, just because of the fact that Florida state's probably not going to go drastically down in the rankings this year. I think that even if they don't make it to the college football playoff, they'll probably hover around 10 wins just because Norvell is a good coach. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think Florida State is still going to be, you know, kind of hovering around and, and Miami and will continue to battle with the Noles for prospects. Or seems to continue to plummet right now in the 2025 rankings. Miami ranks 16th. Florida State is 14th, while Florida is 26th. That's going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Remember to, of course, subscribe to the website if you haven't already. Use the promo code Miami30. And also subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County. Also, make sure you follow us on all platforms for the Storm Tracker podcast. Until the next episode.